Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host. And, uh, well, as always, I'm excited to be with you on a Sunday morning here on WTSM 97.9. Your sports monster. We're on Sunday mornings from 7 to 8. We talk about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. This is show number 993. We are approaching that 1,000 show it's amazing how quickly time goes by. We do have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another, and that's how we've done it now for a get close to 19 years. And I'm excited to have in the studio with me um, Derek Steele. And uh, Derek is, uh, well, let's put it this way. The name is very well known in this area. <laughs> Brother Derek, <laughs> welcome to the show. Come just a little closer to the microphone, if you will. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jack. It's just a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited about it. And uh, now your father was a pastor in Tallahassee for how many years? Yes, he was. For about 26 years. 26 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, they've named uh, a road after him and they've named a bus uh, plaza after him. And uh, he's very well thought of. And I was sharing with you before we went on the broadcast. I never had a chance to meet him. I came to Tallahassee in 1980. Uh, in just a few days, I'd heard of, of his name, but again, I never had a chance chance to meet him, and he passed away, you said, in 1980. Right, in so, August. In yeah, August of 1980. August of 1980. Just talk about a little bit about him. Just give us, for folks who may not know him, just give us a little history here. Uh, my dad was a, a life-loving man. He loved God. He loved people. Uh, he was he was a great joy to be around, loved his family so very much, uh, and uh and he was a fiery preacher. Uh, he, he stood up uh, strong for civil rights. He uh -huh. worked with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in founding the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Okay. And uh, he was Dr. King's first vice president of that organization. Wow. And uh, he, he's known for leading the uh, Tallahassee bus boycott here in Tallahassee okay. that uh, integrated the buses and and just a lot of civil rights work. Uh, but I like to tell people all the time, just because he was a civil rights leader does not mean that's what his focus was. Uh -huh. Because before er any of that happened, uh, he had been to Morehouse College, going to seminary, and was involved in preaching, which was his heart's desire sure. from a child. Yeah. And he preached his first sermon at 15. So he was about spreading the gospel and, and, uh, and preaching the good news. Wow. Yes. And you, you just told me something. Now, I had heard that about the bus boycott. Of course, again, this is this predates me in, in Tallahassee. But that would be one of the reasons why they would name the bus terminal after him. Exactly. <laughs> See? Yeah, it, it's uh, ironic. They, yeah. they put a statue of him up there and named it after him. Yeah. And uh, one of the testimonies of a lot of people during the time of honoring him was that he was the kind of guy that even his enemies liked him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. a wonderful testimony. Yeah. But like I tell people all the time, you tune in to the gospel on the radio talk show and you just might learn something. <laughs> and I just learned something here today. That, that, that's a wonderful thing. So I, when I go by there now, I have a whole new appreciation for why they named the plaza Amen. after your dad. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's yes, a really sir. good thing. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, I uh, grew up in Kentucky. And uh, where I grew up, the whole racial thing just wasn't a big issue, and uh, and you say, well, in Kentucky, but it just wasn't, and I just, and so then I was in the Navy uh, during the early part of the seventies and stuff, and so a lot of the things that was going on, I I just wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really was, mm -hmm. but when I came to Tallahassee, and I would hear people 
speak about your father and in such respect I knew that this was a man that was important in history and of course I've learned a little bit more about him of course you've shared some here with us but he was also the pastor of Bethel Baptist Church and uh, you told me a few things about that you wanted to you could share with us it was one of the and, oldest churches yes yeah. I think it's the oldest black church considered black uh-huh. church uh, I hate to designate black or white but it's the oldest Negro church in Tallahassee and matter of fact the the very uh, building original building still stands at the Tallahassee Museum and so it's a part of the museum and people come in matter of fact uh, oftentimes meetings are held there for different reasons uh, when we did the uh, we did, we had the 50th anniversary of the Tallahassee bus boycott and so they had like a, a open panel discussion there in that very building really yes that's that's good because uh, it's historic and it just kind of brings you back right you I mentioned to you um when uh, we, we first met, I said, well, I just drove down. I mean, I always want to re- reverse this. It's, it's C.K. Steel. Correct. Highway. Yes. And you told me that that's going on. Now, tell me what you told me before. Well, so it I, goes across both city, county, and state lines. So so each part of the the, the road that's owned by different, uh, different uh, sectors uh, is named after my dad. It just goes right along, okay. and so every one of them decided in um, in agreement, you know, that this would be named wow. CK Steel Highway. And it's uh, what and it was in succession, and part one of after it, the other. It's, it's what was known or still known as Orange Avenue. Correct. Over uh, correct. If you're going up Capitol Circle, you take a right there, and you see the sign there. Uh, CK Steel Memorial Highway. That's right. According to which Capital Circle you're on. Okay, it so it'd be right or left. Okay, so mm-hmm. it goes to the other Capital Circle. Absolutely. I see. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> from Capital Circle to Capital Circle. Right, right. <laughs> now, but you said across state lines. Where's across the state line at? Well, somewhere uh, going uh, um, east. Okay. You run into the state state. No, I'm sorry. It starts state near the near the. Uh, wait a minute. Let me get it right. It, I think it starts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it starts state at the over near the airport. I think. Okay. I think it started state. Then we went to city and county. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. just anybody who would want to know the true fact, they could always Google it. Right. <laughs> so. I think the state is 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 west okay. near the airport. Okay. Well, the thing is, is it it is an honor to him. But you said this has been recent. That they. It's they, been they within. The last year. And you were yes. there with the, the dedication? Yeah, it was, a, it was a great, great... We had three different ceremonies, matter of fact. Is that right? And now, uh, were, we, were we talking about mayor, uh, governor, who all was there? Uh, you had the city officials. You had the... Uh, I, the governor was not there. Okay. Uh, representatives from his office were there. Uh, you had the mayor. You had wow. the city councilmen, county councilmen, the sheriff, yeah. uh, and a lot wow. of pastors and, and other citizens. The biggest gathering was uh, the first one, which I think was the state road. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what we're talking about. Maybe it's talking about a state road instead of the state line. Maybe that might be. No parts of the road, I'm telling okay. you, are owned by each different uh Principality. Oh, oh, oh I mm-hmm. own by. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. now, see, now mm-hmm. I'm getting it. Yes. Some, sometimes yes. you have to really get... I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I didn't make my it My brain good. works. <laughs> but okay. yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying now. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes I'm a little slow about picking up on things, but I, but I get there. <laughs> that's, re- that's really good. I, I'm glad that, that your family was honored that way. Now let's talk about you. You, you are what we refer to as being a PK. And for those who don't know what a PK is, that's a preacher's kid. 
a true typical yeah. PK, I so, guess you So would you say. grew up in the Parsage. Yes. And, uh, of course, I'm a pastor, and uh, I have children, and they grew up in the Parsage. And I was sharing with Brother Steve before we started. I said, and as my children got older, they, they shared with my wife and I some of the difficulties they had growing up in the Parsonage. Of course, we didn't ours really went to Parsonage. It was our own home, but still, it was a pastor's house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, well, I would imagine your dad was kind of like my wife and I. We we tried to shield things. We didn't want the children to know oh, everything yeah. oh, yeah. oh, that yeah. went on in the church. Mm-hmm. But yet, it does seep through. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Oh yes. So, what was your experience like? Well, for us. Um, you know, that was one of the greatest joys of my life was living on the same property with the church. Uh-huh. Um, but I I lived in the parsonage until I was about 11. Okay. And then we moved in the suburbs of Woodgate. Okay. And, uh, but uh, those were some great times. It's just uh, our parents kind of tried to shield you from adult stuff, basically. Sure, sure. Not just the church stuff. It would seep over at times, you know. Right. I mean, after a while, you knew which deacons was on what side and, <laughs> and who was doing what. Yep. You know, yep. uh, it just kind of came out. Yeah. But um, but uh, the I think the struggle for children is trying to relate to other children who see you in a different light. Uh-huh. You know, they see you, they see your dad in another. You know, I had friends to man, I'm afraid of your daddy, you know. But my daddy was the nicest, <laughs> yeah. most welcoming kind yeah. of guy once they got to know him, you know. And uh, and so I was always trying to prove that, man, my daddy's cool, you yeah, know. Yeah. But, you know, so I would go over the, you know, the borders. Right. <laughs> but then they see him up there thundering away in that pulpit, and then they give right. him a different perspective. Right. I remember exactly. one time we were having a dinner on the ground here at the church, and uh, we were down in the little, used to be a little shed down there on the property where we're, where we're recording from. And this little boy walks up to me. He says, why were you fussing at all those people? <laughs> and then that's the perspective that a child would have. My dad, a, my dad says a little child asked him one day, said, Reverend Steele, why are you always hollering? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and from then on, he quit. He quit hollering as much. And, and matter of fact, he used to have this technique in his, in his preaching. Um, instead of, ah, you know how preachers holler, yeah. daddy would get happy and he'd hum. He'd say, ah, and he, it would be in a low, yeah, yeah. A different pitch, you know, yeah. where it wasn't so loud and boisterous. Uh-huh. And, uh, and one of the things he used to say is, hold me, Holy Ghost. You know, wow, I remember wow, him saying yeah, that yeah. in his last days. In his last days, he was really focused on uh, on teaching on the Holy Ghost uh-huh. and teaching uh, in Revelation and in uh, the coming city. Wow. You know? yeah. Wow. Did, did he like to tell our stories? Oh, he told quite a few stories. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yes, yeah, he did. I, I love a preacher that can tell a good oh, story. Oh, he could tell a good story from, from the <laughs> yeah. mountains of West Virginia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the thing about it is that there's an art to telling stories. Yes. Not, not everybody can do it well. Right. But a, a preacher, because he does it so much, mm-hmm. can really hone that down. Mm-hmm. And, and just give just give him enough. A lot of times right. people want to give you too much information, but a preacher, because he's, he's he realizes he's... Uh, his time is limited, so, right, so he'll, right. he'll condense that story, amazing, and yeah. make it come alive. <laughs> amazing, some people are so good at it. Yeah, that, that yeah. is so true. Yeah, yeah, he was that way. And, and how long did he pastor overall? So he was twenty. How many years? He started he, pastoring. Um, I think he was about twenty-four, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, he pastored a a, um, a church in Tacoa, Georgia. Okay. That paid him beans and peas and beans stuff. And 
peas <laughs> right. oh, no. and potatoes and stuff. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then he, he got a pastor in Montgomery, Alabama at, at uh, Hall Street uh-huh. Baptist Church. And uh, I think he went there first. Uh, I, all I know is I, I know he went to Hall Street in Montgomery twice okay. before he ended up here in Tallahassee. Is that right? So right. He, he'd had a, a bit of a pastorate before he ever came here. And you say he was from West, As a young West Virginia. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, so uh, you said, I think you said he went to Morehouse College? Went to Morehouse College, okay. yes. And so uh, I'm just curious about his call. Did, did he ever talk about when he was called? And what? He was called as a child. Uh, as a child, he, he, he knew his call to preach. He always wanted to preach. He, uh-huh. His parents finally allowed him to get licensed to preach. Is that right? At 15. But he was <laughs> preaching before then. Yeah, yeah. And any, all my family would say, if they visited uh, my grandmother's house, they're going to have to hear a message from my dad. <laughs> <laughs> that was his father a pastor? Did he grow up? No, no. He was a coal miner. Is that right? He was right? a coal miner, yeah. And so this this call was just on his heart. Isn't yes, it amazing? Yes, yes, from uh, a child. See, I can identify with that because yes. I've, I've known all my life I was going to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. From, from a child, mm-hmm. I knew it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no preachers in my family we, we i'm like I said, i'm from rural kentucky right uh, we weren't we, we weren't in coal country we were in uh, more eastern central kentucky but mm-hmm. i grew up around farm people okay and uh grew up in church all my life but but uh, uh i just always knew so i, I can identify so you were with preaching it. as a child for the- hey my father-in-law <laughs> went to visit my parents mm-hmm. and my daddy took him out and showed him the stump where i used to preach to the cows <laughs> and you know those cows they're a good audience mm-hmm. they'll just stand there and just chew their cud just take it in <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the thing about it is that the call of God is so precious mm-hmm. and uh, you it take a, a man like that and he's just got the itch to preach yes sir. yes sir. <laughs> I was telling this to somebody on the radio the other day uh, talking about my, my, my Saturday Night Gospel Sing it's a show that I do here on, uh, on 94.1 I said uh I'm, my show is a little different than your typical Southern Gospel music show because I'm a preacher. And I said, you just can't take the preacher out of a preacher. You can't. So, you so can't. I, I get the gospel in there, see. Right. And, and the lady said, well, you just sneak it in, right? I do. And, and that's what I used to do as a kid. As a kid, you know, we lived next door to the church. And uh-huh. we had big kind of a round area where the steps went up to the church. And I'd get on the steps of the church and my friends would be down there and I'd be preaching to them. And likewise, when my family members came from out of town, they'd get a message from me. There you go. Yeah. So, so you grew up in the church uh, where you, I guess you were involved in the youth group and all that sort of thing? I was in the choir. Uh-huh. You know, I had to, we had Sunday school. Um, we had Baptist training union. So we were in church uh, from sunup to sundown on a Sunday, uh-huh. you know. And uh, and so as the pastor's child, you were always uh, asked to do this, to do that. You were expected to be good at it, you know, which uh, I enjoyed doing it. You know, I enjoyed telling what the, uh, what the class lesson was about. You know, I, I just... You know, but, but one of the fallacies of being a PK is as you get older, you still think you know when you don't. And explain that. You think you know because you know the Bible, uh-huh. but you don't know life. Okay. You know, okay. and and so um, you you because there comes a time when you twist you 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 can twist life mm-hmm. uh, or, or the the meaning of the Bible. Towards the way you want to live, uh-huh. you know, and so and, and also as a, as a being a pastor's son, because you've watched him, I'm thinking that they they think that they know a little better. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, that's been my experience with mm-hmm. my son. My mm-hmm. son is, is in the ministry today. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he first started, there were things that he would challenge about the way I did things. But I noticed now that he pretty much does it that way because you know you learn so you learn about life amen. because you have amen. life's experiences amen. amen I remember my pastor in Pensacola when I was because uh, I this the open Bible church I was there because I was in the Navy and he said to me he says you know Jack he says you remind me a lot of myself talking about him when he was young right. in the ministry he said mm-hmm. uh, he said, you, you're, you're bold and you go do things and sometimes you get knocked down. He says, I'd rather have a guy who was willing to go out and, and just try things because society will knock him down. He don't have to worry right, about that. Right. And mm-hmm. they, they, he'll, that'll humble him. But mm-hmm. somebody who's not afraid, is afraid to get a little bold might not be able to make as much progress. So he said, yeah, he said, sometimes you'll, you'll do things and it'll be crazy, but uh, people let you know about it. That is so right, Jack. <laughs> that is so right. It is. So so you grew up as, in, in the church. Now, I'm assuming you went to high school here in, in town and, and all that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, I was rambunctious. Rambunctious is the word, right? That's what my mom used uh-huh. to. <laughs> That's the word she used uh, often. But, uh, yeah, I was a kind of a... Um, I was a kind of a uh, uh, one of those kids who got in trouble. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, were you an athlete? I was an athlete till I got to high school. Okay. <laughs> and then high school didn't give me quite the opportunity that well, I wanted. Yeah. Because of my size, I was always the smallest uh-huh. guy around. Well, much. and the thing about it is, when you get to high school, there's a whole lot more competition out there. <laughs> yeah, they never let me, they never let me really compete. Uh-huh. And they they really didn't. They looked at my size yeah. and they. You know, I did I did uh, calisthenics. They yeah. never let me hit anybody. Yeah, never let me really go out and and perform. So, but you looked to me like you'd be wiry. I loved man. I love football. Yeah, I love yeah, football. Yeah, That's yeah. the only thing I wanted yeah, to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I have a my best friend is is, is, is built like you. He's wiry, and uh, he he could hit a softball. I mean, you think they couldn't? A guy couldn't hit a softball. He could hit a softball, and he could he could catch and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But whenever he played basketball. I, I just learned never let never play against him because if I, if I went if I played against him I'm going to hurt him. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I always make sure he was on my side. Right, right. And even that getting in there underneath the bottom of the basket, he thinks he could be in there with the tall guys. The next thing you know, I'm hitting him. <laughs> yeah, I used to do that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's what I'm thinking. You, you scrappy guys, you're scrappy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you you grew up in the church. Uh, now, did you go go away from college for a while, or did you, did you go to college here? Or did no, you go to college? I, I, I literally dropped out of high school. Okay, and uh, and I did go to college here a while. Okay, um, I went to FAMU and I also went to TCC. I was okay. very much involved in theater uh, okay. during that time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I ended up going to uh, Covenant Bible College and Seminary and getting a bachelor's through uh, Bible College. And where's that at? Uh, it, it was a part of Christian Heritage Church, and now it's yes, a global. It's a global. I do remember that. It is yeah. actually global yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And has Th- campuses that was throughout. Back when Brother Shelley was yes. pastor. No, 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 Not, no. Pastor Ledford. Pastor Ledford. Yes. Because okay. yes. I, I remember hearing about it. His yes. his uh, father-in-law, Dr. Bill Morris, actually okay. founded it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And it's still going. It's see? still going. Okay. Yes. Yes. So so you did that, but now before that. Uh, you say you dropped out of high school. Okay. Okay. Here's what was the story? Well, yeah, the story. Let's hear about that. Yeah. Through high school, I had already been dabbling in drugs, you uh-huh. know, and uh, and weed, you know, just kind of just party guy. Yeah. You know, and then when the cocaine came about, uh, it was a setup for crack. And so, 
I was doing cocaine at the age of 16. Wow. But I was, you know, skipping class, doing what I wanted, getting high. And I got in a fight one day on campus. I, we had been skipping class. We were just riding through, through the parking lot. And uh, I ended up getting in a fight with a guy who uh, was upset because a friend of mine who I was with had damaged his car. Uh-huh. And so, in anyway, that's not important. The important thing in the details is that I ended up getting um, kicked out of school that day. And Pastor, uh, uh, pr- the principal, Arthur Plaw, he said, well, still, man, uh, tell you what, man, why don't you go home and don't worry about coming back. You already miss more days than you made. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my mother was guidance counselor at Leon. Oh, at no. The time. Yeah. Now, was your father still alive? At that oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, how, did, yeah. how did he react to all of this? Um, you know, he, he told me, you know, son, you're just going to have to, uh, you're probably going to have to hit, hit your own brick wall before you decide to do what you have to do, you know. But uh, you can make it, you know. Wow. You, it's it's going to be up to you, you know. My mother told me, man, I'm on your side, you know. I've got you. You're my son. That kind of thing is, right. is what they told me. And I ended up going to um, to Montgomery to live with my brother, okay. who was pastoring there. And uh, I eventually came back after about a year. I finished 11th grade there and came back. Instead of going to 12th grade, I just went straight to Lively, got my GED, and continued to party. Okay. <laughs> you know. And uh, I actually tried to answer my call in ministry during that time after all of that. When I turned up 18, I began to start look towards what God had called me to do as a minister. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, want, I, I thought I could do it my way. Yeah. You know, I thought I could still party. I thought I could uh, preach and party and do what I wanted to do. And um, eventually, God just allowed me. My dad died in, the, in my first year of college at FAMU because I went back to college. After that first year off from getting my GED, I went to FAMU. And my dad died that year. And uh, I ended up not finishing FAMU, kind of floating out. And, and then I said, okay, I'm going to go to TCC. And I went to TCC for a couple of years. Um, well, not a couple of years, a couple of semesters. Uh, got involved in the theater program there. And uh, I was preaching. I was preaching from here and there. And eventually, the drugs just got a hold of me. And crack came out. And before I knew it, I was on the street, no oh longer going to church. Wow. No longer doing anything positive just living day to day as a bum on the street you know smoking crack every every dime i got i looked at it and i saw how much crack i could get out of it and uh and so it was almost 10 years of turmoil Is in that my right? life yes wow. um but it sounds to me like as you were even conflicted even before that i mean because you, you were you were trying to do ministry but yet you were this thing had a hold of you right and right. uh and of course you know the, the the bible talks about that the devil is a thief and a liar and and uh, and that's what he was doing in your life. He was he was stealing from you. Amen. And and so I claim uh, the scripture that says that uh, he'll give back to you that which the caterpillar, the canker worm, and the locust is eaten up. Wow. So so I receive everything back. You know. And, Hallelujah. And you know I ended up starting. We ended up starting a addiction recovery program at Christian Heritage Church, and called Free Indeed. Okay. And uh, the way we open our meetings, kind of like a AA meeting uh, right we'd say hello my name is Derek Steele and I'm getting all my stuff back <laughs> I'm in recovery and I'm getting yeah. all my stuff back now, is what now, we used to I, say. I want us to go back mm-hmm. and I, I want to retrace this thing because this is really important here you are a young man growing up in church you know the Lord but somehow or another you got involved in uh, did you start with marijuana I did okay I did, yeah now had there been any alcohol before then um 
See, I have, I have siblings, okay, and their lives kind of intermingle with yours. And, yeah. and, and so they were drinking beer, and I've, I've tasted their beer, not really drink it yeah. as, a, as yeah. a kid, you know, tasted it. Yeah. And so um, I'm trying to grow up fast. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, my, my, my brother next to me, he was really into marijuana at the time mm-hmm. when I started. Now, let, uh, do you feel like that uh, marijuana is a starter drug? A gateway drug? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Because I, I'm not sure it is for everyone, but I know it was right. for me. Yeah. I know it was for me. But it, way too often it is. It is, yes. And I, I have people argue with me that, about this all the time. The thing about it yeah. is it emboldens you. Uh, yeah, it emboldens you. Yeah. Somehow you think, okay, I can do this, and I'm good, I'm fine, and I can do this, and I'm yeah. good. Especially if you're a teenager. Yeah. Because you already think that you are... You know, immortal, invincible. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but does it also cause a reaction in your body and your mind? I mean, I mean, I've never never had marijuana. I never never smoked it, so I don't I don't know. But I mean, I it 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 causes some type of reaction in in you that, that that's appealing. Is it? Oh not? yeah, no doubt yeah. about it. No doubt about it. You become a dreamer. Uh-huh. And you're a dreamer. You're not a doer. You're a dreamer. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can do. You, I mean, you're a philosopher now. You see everything yeah. right. Marijuana. I mean, it's that yeah. kind of drug. But see, I've <clears> just <throat> seen it just just, just totally uh, alter people's personalities. Uh, somebody who might have had some ambition. A lot of times, they seem like they just lose ambition. Right. They're more of a dreamer than a doer. Yeah. You know, yeah. they and, talk about what yeah. they're going to do yeah. more than they're going to do it. And like I said, I'm 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 talking here from something that I've never experienced, and I thank God for that. But I've been around it, and of course, uh, when I was on the aircraft carrier, there's a lot of guys that were smoking uh, marijuana. As a matter of fact, the V2 was the, the where the most of them were, and they were the ones who were dealing with these big, long cables with the arresting gear. <laughs> and uh, nobody ever got hurt. But, don't want uh, them to forget anything. No, no, but, but, I, but I knew a lot of those guys, mm-hmm. and, and they were. They just, you know, the, the typical... Uh, thing that you see in the movies, hey dude, you know that type of thing, and it was, was really real. That's mm-hmm. really oh, yeah. the way they, oh, they yeah. acted. Oh yeah. And I thought to myself, that's that's a shame because here's somebody who could be uh, smart and, and do so much. This is affecting their mind. But but I've had enough uh, people here on the show who have been involved. They're in, in, involved in addiction recovery oh, ministries. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from them enough. Yes. To, to, for them to tell me that. This this thing that has become so popular, and it is now. It's, I mean, it's, it's just become a part of society, and now we've passed a law saying, "Hey, if you do it on a medical, you can go do it." But but I, I do think alcohol is more dangerous. Well, and again, you talk about a gateway. It is, but the thing is, it's it's altering a person's personality. Mm-hmm. To the point to where they're not dealing with a lot of the issues of life in a way right. that they should be able to. Right. And then it's always the quest for the higher high, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. leads to, and then you said cocaine was the next thing, right? Right, exactly. Yes. Okay, now, what's the difference? How, how does that react to your body versus marijuana? Um, they both are very addictive. Um, I don't know, something about the cocaine sends you into a sense of uh you think you're more you have a heightened sense of ability uh-huh okay and uh and you feel it okay i mean it makes your body even feel it you know okay and, and uh, i can identify with that because right. uh, you know I've, I've i've employed people over the years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i would have uh, a young man come work for me 
and for like four days he's he's just like incredible your mind is like yeah, yeah he's you know. and then and mm-hmm. then he's done mm-hmm. right right <laughs> and once i paid him i mean mm-hmm. that was that was the end of that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and i've observed that behavior well just think crack is is uh 50 times that wow you know? well, and why is that it's crack is condensed and it's much more powerful uh-huh. it, it's condensed it's much more powerful uh and and when you smoke it it gives you such a high that you feel at that point like superman really i mean in a in a <laughs> but it's only lasts a couple minutes uh-huh. you know two or three minutes and then and then it starts fading out and then you need some more uh-huh yeah okay and of course i, I remember when the whole crack thing this has been what 10 15 20 years i've i've, I've lost track of time of it when you first first start hearing about this in uh, the 80s okay and uh, and how damaging because it really does affect the body and very negative pretty quick is am i right about that that is that is correct yes okay yes so this was your next step that's where i was yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and, that's, and, and, yeah. And, but i tell people all the time thank god for crack okay because crack made it apparent that I had a problem. Okay. I mean, there's no, I couldn't gloss over that. Right. You okay. know, right. I mean, it became apparent. And and thank God for bottoms in life. Huh. You know, you know, there, there's something in the Bible called a bottomless pit. Right. Thank God for a bottom. Yeah. Because if, if it was no bottom, it would never end. Right. You know, but, but when I got to a bottom, what they call rock bottom, it was there that I could, I could see God better. It was there that I could reach out to God. It was there that I was apparent that I needed God. I needed to know him in a different way. Uh, just thank God that he saved me. He knew that this day would come. Wow. You know, wow. my parents prayed for me. They laid hands on me as a child. So I'm supposed to be saved. Right, right. <laughs> you know. Now, at what point along the way did your parents find out that you were doing this? Um... When crack came along, they were they had passed away. Okay. Okay, but marijuana uh, in high school, my favorite class in high school was theater. Uh-huh. I mean, I loved acting, uh, being a part of theater. And so I was like 30 minutes late to class one day. And my I was high. You know, and my, my teacher asked me, Derek, why are you so late to class? I said, because I've been out smoking dope. Everybody laughed. You know, I loved everybody laughed at me. You know, but then she went and told my mother, who worked at Leon High School. Uh I mean, I'm (laughs) right. You know, but uh, it was then she said, "Have you're literally smoking?" You know, and I said, "Yeah, mom. I mean, it's the peace pipe. I'm probably smoking the rest of my life." You know, and she said, "Well, not driving my car, you won't be." (laughs) Oh, (laughs) and so yeah, I, I. I was put on discipline and that kind of thing during that yeah. time. Yeah. Wow. And uh, you know, you know how you straighten up and everything's fine, uh-huh. mom, you know. But uh, yeah, and then, but my dad died in 1980, and my mom died three years later, and so now I'm in my 20s, uh-huh. and um, and it was the year that she died that I st- I tr- first tried crack. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh-huh. and so had access to some money too, uh-huh. and spent a lot of money on it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, here's the thing. Uh, you go through all of these things, but yet the hand of God's there. I mean, God's still, he's still speaking. He, God has not given up on Derek. Oh, no. And uh, people will. They did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you said you were on the streets. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and that's just, uh, 
that story is out there way too often. Did you know Danny Heberlin? Yes. Danny Heberlin is one of my mentors. One is of that right? Who Haven Arrest? Haven Arrest. Yeah. He and Shay. Um, and Pastor Holmes. Uh, uh, R.B. Holmes at right. Bethel. He said, you know what? I had washed my hands of you. I, I said, I wasn't fooling with you no more, Derek. But the Lord said, don't do it. You know. But eventually what happened was, I didn't know, but Holmes had talked to Danny. Because I was in and out of the Haven Rescue, Rescue Mission uh, as a transient. Sure. But Holmes arranged for me to get in a program there. And so I got in a program there at Haven Arrest Rescue Mission with Danny and Shay. And I got clean. Uh-huh. Um, I got clean for 10 months. Okay. And within that 10 months, I had a great job as a, a maintenance man for a 91-unit apartment complex. Um, had a place to live. Uh, got married. You know, and it was in that first year of marriage that I relapsed. It was oh, part of a goodness. great church that got involved in prison ministry, um, and I relapsed. And uh, but but I give great credit and 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 great thanksgiving to God for Pastor Holmes and Danny Hebelin. Yeah, Danny was a great guy. He was a great guy. Now, where did you meet your wife? I met my wife, matter of fact, at Bethel Baptist Church. Okay, and she said, "Hey." I like this guy, but did she know anything about your past? Well, we both were in sin back then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But we were we were friends for twelve years before we got married. Okay. So we had broken up, and she had gotten saved. She got filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, and so she wasn't fooling with me right. no more, you know. But she was still my friend, uh-huh. you know, and she would be the only one to come see me in jail, and I mean, she was always. A friend, you know. Now you just told us something we don't know anything about. Tell us about the jail. What, okay. happened, what happened there? <laughs> well, jail. You know, if you're going to be on crack, and you know, I, I, probably anybody on crack, eventually jail's coming. Uh-huh. You know, um, and especially if you're on the street. And so I, I, I was arrested um, several times, in and out of jail uh-huh. because of crack, petty petty charges. Then I got possession charge. Then the last one was a sale charge I had, and uh, and God showed up. <laughs> That's all I can say. I mean, yeah. it's, it, there's yeah. a lot of details I could give you about jail, in and out of jail, prison three times, um, and uh, and and every time God will walk with me and okay. He talk with now me. Now this is state prison. State prison. State yes. Prison. Okay. In jail, I'd end up running the Bible study. Uh-huh. In prison. <laughs> I'd end up running the Bible study that we had amongst ourselves. Sure, you know, and uh, and I stayed in that group. I mean, it was where I was. It was. I, I mean, I remember growing up, and the, the word said, "When you're in trouble, call on the Lord." Sure, sure. And I did. I called on and the Lord. Said his words not going to guess depart. what? Yeah. Guess what? He showed up uh-huh. every time. Yeah. We we would we would fast and pray and have church every night. In, in the Leon County Jail and we would fast we then we'd break our fast we'd open up all our all of our canteen food and, and <laughs> fellowship together we'd see people get healed we'd see people's cases get changed and wow. they get released and go home I mean we saw all kind of things happen you know and uh, I ended up getting out uh, then getting in trouble again and trying to get some help one time uh, um, I had going to my wife's house about three in the morning one Saturday morning and um, and so she lets me sleep on the couch and she says well, I'm going to church you're going to have to go to church with me you can't stay here uh-huh. so I went to church with her you know and we got to church and I laid out like a baby 
I laid out on like a baby on the couch, you know. I mean, on the seats, yeah. the row of seats, just like a kid would at church sometimes, you know. And I slept through service. Oh, my goodness. But they had these guys from a program. I didn't know they had these guys from a program down south. Uh, um, what's it called? In Wildwood. Uh-huh. Uh, the place is called. Um, is that a Teen Challenge? No. It's Youth Challenge. It was a okay. break off from Teen Challenge. Okay. And those guys actually convinced me to go with them to the program that day. Okay. And so I went down there, stayed a couple of weeks, and got married with them in the program and hitchhiked home. <laughs> <laughs> I got a suitcase, a cashmere coat, you know, and I'm on my way back home. And uh, got in trouble again, got in jail, called the man, can y'all take me back? You know, they took me back. Oh this time they kicked me out of the program. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I had an anger attitude uh-huh. going on, you know, um, just a bad attitude. And so um, there was my life in going. And then there came a time when I ended, enlisted in the Marines. Oh. Yeah. And, and seeking, I think that was before this, I enlisted in the Marines trying to get out of the uh, drug world. And uh, they sent me home saying that my urinalysis came back bad which you take before you go you know uh, I, I, I'm thinking I'm cleared and I'm still not sure they told, right. me, told me the truth uh, I heard about what they call the uh, moment of truth and I think that was what that was they interviewed me and got me to, to say yeah I might have smoked one before I came uh-huh. you know so. so so did you actually get into the Marines or? I did yeah I was there for about three, three or four weeks yeah okay so you were in boot camp right? I was yeah okay. Paris Island sand fleas and everything baby <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now your wife, she stood by you through all this. She did. She did. She was a friend. She was a friend for a long time before we got married. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, even after you you got married, this when that you first relapsed. year. Yeah. 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 I, so, what happened there was, um, I ended up. This this is my testimony that I tell a lot of people when I go to jail and I tell them what happened and how I got clean. Um, is that. I woke up on the park bench downtown thinking, man, I got to get some money, get my day going, get high, you know. And first I'll go up to the courthouse where my brother works and and I know they've got some coffee up there. Maybe he'll give me a couple of dollars, you know. So I go up to the courthouse and uh, go to the bathroom. He's, he comes in there looking for me. He says, uh, you're not going. I said, no, come back in my office, man. So I came back in his office and a deputy sheriff came in and gave me some papers that subpoenaed me to court. Uh, what they call the Marchman Act to determine did I need drug treatment. Okay. And so I was so happy. I was so happy tears began to roll down my eyes, man. And and that's when God did something in my heart. Huh. I, I, I'll never forget. That's when something did. He did it. That's when the miracle occurred. Really? And I wasn't finished getting high. Yeah. But I was. Why? I'll tell you why. Because I had about $8 now. You know, because I'll bum all up and down the street, you know, and pass by, by somebody. Man, you got a dollar. You know, before you know it, I had $8. That's enough to get a dime, you know. And so I'm headed back to Frenchtown. And uh, I'm trying to cross Tennessee Street. And I notice that as I cross Tennessee Street, there's a commotion. And then all the traffic is not going on Tennessee Street. It's going down um, um, Virginia Street, which back then was one way. They had hit a lady. A truck had hit and killed a lady oh, crossing no. the street. Well, I'm walking down by the corner down uh, <clears throat> by Copeland where my boys are hanging out at the, at the tree. 
and I'm saying, man, I'll be back. I'm going to get some. So I went and bought a, bought a dime for $8. I'm coming back to see my guys. And before I cross the street, there's this girl hanging out of a Bronco with these guys and white girl. And, and she says, uh, man, you know where I can get a 20? And I'm thinking, okay, I can break this dime and give her that and see if she's satisfied, <laughs> you know. And so she did. She gave me $20 for that. I went back across the street, gave my buddies a piece. We all got high, you know. And then the police came out. Like I tell people, parachutes came, skateboards, <laughs> motorcycles. I mean, they came from everywhere and busted me. Huh. And I couldn't get rid of the little piece I had in my mouth. Was trying to, it spit it out and it bounced. They got that piece too. And so they had me on a sale and possession charge. Uh-huh. And that night I'm in the, in the jail looking at myself on the news. Son of C.K. Steele, you know, has been arrested on conspiracy oh, charges. And, you know, I mean, they, they trumped it up, you know. Yeah. But... um. I don't know if they called it trafficking or what they called it, but um, but God was in it all. Huh. God was in it all. That's the last time I ever tasted any crack cocaine. Is that right? Yes, sir. That was um, May 29th, 1992. Wow. So you, you got clean? I mean, they're in jail? Well, I ended up going to jail. Um, because of the Marchman Act already in place, I had a lawyer, okay. a real lawyer. Okay. You know? <laughs> and... Um, and so when when I went to court, Bubba Smith, Judge Bubba Smith, was saying, "Well, Steele's back, and uh, what what we want to do? We want to send him down to DOC. We've got AA and NA down there for him, you know." And the DA kept saying, "No, no, no. We don't want to do that. What we want to do is we want to give him eleven months and twenty nine days in jail, suspended upon available bed space at Disc Village Pro, uh, Recovery Center." Is that right? Which is Natural Bridge Recovery Center. And that's here in uh, uh, Leon County? Actually in Woodville. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it called uh, Promised Land? No, no. No, it's in Woodville. It's, it's a part of the Dis Village okay. uh, programs, which they have some in Gaston County. Okay. In various places. Sounds like a, somebody I need to get on here on the show. Are, are they still there? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I know there's a ministry well, down in we'll call a county called Promised Land that works with a lot of that but this is a dis- different. this village has various different kinds of programs and yeah. this was a campus that that uh, that housed about six different programs okay okay and so um, I'm telling you I've never seen a DA the DA is usually trying to put you in prison yeah and the judge is saying Are you sure you know but the DA was saying no we don't want to put him in prison selling possession charge yeah and they sent me to treatment okay and I went to and see this, the place I went down in Wildwood was a Christian program. This place was a secular program. Okay. But it got me. It got my attention. Wow. Because I began to see, I was at, at the Natural Bridge Recovery Center when I got there. Um, matter of fact, in, a, in about three months after court, a bed space was available. And so a sheriff delivers me there, unhandcuffs me there on the property. I walk up and two guys out there talking. And I, the first thing I hear the guy say to the other guy, I say, man, uh, the only way we can keep what we have is by giving it away. Huh. And while I was in jail, the Lord told me, he said, the only way you're going to make it, son, is that you minister. Wow. You know, you've got to do what God's yeah. called you to do. Uh, and this is a secular place. That's, yes, it's a secular place. Isn't it amazing? And... Uh, and man, they really confronted you on your issues, you know, in a different way. It uh-huh. wasn't a religious confrontation. Yeah, it was yeah. just life, you know. And uh, and I don't know, something had happened to me that morning 
or that afternoon when I was at my brother's office. Because when I went down to Frenchtown, I would usually say, hey, man, you got a dollar or two. You know, but instead I was saying, hey, man, I'm so happy. I said, I'm, uh, I'm going to treat. I'm a drug addict, but I'm going to treat. And my brother's helping me. You know, I didn't know my wife was also involved in that. Uh, she was praying. <laughs> yeah, she had already signed <laughs> off on the papers for that Is thing, that too. Right? Yeah. But now, all this happened in a day. If I'm, am I hearing the story right? I mean, you went to your brother's office that morning. And, but the, but and got arrested that evening. And then, yeah. and then they had to sit you to this place. No, no, it took took uh, it took about three months. Okay, okay. or more. It took okay. about five months. So, so did you spend that time in jail? Yeah, I was in jail. Okay, I was in jail. Okay. Wow, was it five months? Yeah, maybe about five months. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, and God what? did a work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing though. I mean, I see you. I'm sitting here looking at you, and you're bright eyed, and, and uh, serving the Lord. Thank God. As you said, it's ninety two. It was a six month program. And a year afterwards, they called me from the program and asked me if I would come on staff there as their chaplain. Is that right? And so I served as their chaplain for 16 years after that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at this clock, and I'm going, to, wow, this time has gone by awful fast. Just caught up in, in Brother Derek Steele's uh, stories he's been telling us about life. Let me just tell you a couple of things before we get back to that. And first of all, I am the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry, and uh, I'd love to have you come and worship with us. We started at 11.05 on Sunday mornings. We're at 720 Capital Circle Northeast, and uh, you can find us on the web, frcm.us. We'd love to have you come and bring the family. Also, uh, don't forget to tune in Saturday nights for the Saturday Night Gospel Sing on 94.1. That's a full hour of great Southern Gospel music. And also, you can find this show on podcast. It's show number 993. If you want to listen to it again or share it with a friend, uh, it'll be there. And... uh, Triple A Constant Comfort, our Triple A Heating and Air, my friend Robert and uh, Fiesmeyer, and uh, he's been helping me do this show since we started way back in 2002. 893-9566, if you need a new unit or get the old one repaired, he is the guy to call. Uh, Brother Steele, <laughs> we've got about five minutes to go. You are now uh, the director of a ministry called, uh, let me get this right here, uh, Faith Street Ministries. You're also outreach pastor at Restoration Place. God's using you in ministry. But uh, you told me before we started on the air that the, what got you going to Christian Heritage Church, which has now changed his name, I don't remember the new name, was your wife. Right. She got you going there. Louise. Louise. Yes. And so, and how long did you go to Christian Heritage? Wow, we were at Christian Heritage um, at least. 15, 16 years. So he had a yeah. big part of your development in your new I, life. Yeah, 16 or 17 years, yeah. yeah. Because when I quit doing the chaplaincy at Disc Village was um, a year after God told me to. <laughs> yeah, I stayed a year longer than he wanted me to, I think. Um, and that was around the time that we left, actually left Christian Heritage. I see. Mm-hmm. And then uh, now... Uh, because I, I think there are a lot of people left Christian Heritage right about that mm-hmm. time. I, I'm thinking, and of course, you've been in ministry with Brother Ledford at Restoration Place. And, uh, Correct. And doing the outreach. And what is all that does that involve? Just generally, when I, when I think of outreach, I think about the overall population, but are you working with a particular segment of society? Well, we normally work with the homeless. Okay. And uh, we're usually involved in feeding them, trying to clothe them, trying to help them uh, facilitate their life and get them saved. Uh, uh, oftentimes we get many of them from, uh, we like to minister right there at Lake Ella. And so yeah. oftentimes we get them into the church 
and have an opportunity to minister to them. We've right. seen them rise up, move on with their life. And so uh, God, God's doing a great work through it. We're, we're, we're literally just trying to show the love of God. We sure. also have adopted um, uh, uh, Springwood Elementary School. Okay. Right there on on uh, Fred George Road, and we like to go and just bless the, the teachers there and let them know that we love them and we want to support them. Sometimes we provide them with school supplies. Uh, we'll do a luncheon for them and that kind of thing. Okay. And we're just trying to be a blessing to the community in any way that we and can. And that's kind of the area that you are in the first church. Right. You're in that Lake Jackson area, which would be uh, right. Which, the elementary school nearby would be right. a great place for you to. To minister, and I think that's a great concept to go where people are. Yes, sir. <laughs> and to, yes, sir. And to, to reach people. Now, what are you as far as your your overall ministry, the the uh, Faith Street Ministries? I say you're working at Lake Yala, working with the homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've mentioned the jail. Are you in a, involved in a prison ministry? Yes. Uh, matter of fact, what we do, I'm involved in jail ministry here in Tallahassee. Um, we do have people who are involved in prison ministry, uh, going to Wakala and, yeah. and various ministries in the area, Gaston County. Uh, but but I primarily, personally, do the jail here in Tallahassee, and it's it's a wonderful thing. Like you were saying, preaching to the cows. Sure. Where we're preaching to a cap- yeah. captive audience. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, you were there. I, mean, I was there, you, so I've you got under- to. You understand. It's that. part of my passion is going into the jail and 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 really trying to uh, stir up the gift that's in them yeah. that they don't really realize that it's still alive. That they still have hope. That they, right. that God is still with them. You know, because when you're going through that, it's it's kind of frightful. Uh, and so you really need to draw near to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 so, and how often do you go there? Uh, well, you know, during the pandemic, we're not going at all. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah but pretty much, I try to go twice a month. Okay. Twice a month. Yeah. Yeah, because somebody told me, actually, I think I saw it on Renee Miller's uh, at, at CityWalk, that the Carney Center is not taking homeless, not taking homeless people. Right. They haven't been. I don't know that they are anymore. Yeah. They've been putting, yeah. putting them in homeless, I mean, in hotels and different motels. Is that right? Motels, yes. See, I did mm-hmm. not know that. And I saw her on her Facebook and of course, I think they're starting to take homeless in, in the, through the City Walk uh, ministry that they do there. Right. And I thought, wow, because winter's coming. I mean, right. I know it doesn't get as cold here as it does in New York or something like that, but it can get it cold, gets cold enough on a, here in North Florida. And I'm thinking, what's going to happen with these people? Because, uh, you know, it's, where do they stay? And, and I know. Uh, a lot of times they have built fires over here. And, uh, so, well, so, I used to be one of them. Yeah, there's a park not too mm. far from here. They'll build a fire down there, and they'll be all gathered around that. And, and yeah. uh, I used uh, to find a place. I'd go in the bus station. Uh, and on real cold nights, they'll let you stay in the bus station. But but if it's not really cold, they'll kick you out of there. <laughs> you know, I hate to do this, but we're going to have to go to prayer because we're just about done. <laughs> this thing's going to ding, ding, ding if I, I don't get yeah. Father, I just pray for Brother Steele. And I just pray, God, for him and for his family. Lord, I thank God for him and for what you've done in his life. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just use his broadcast to, to touch a lot of people. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for our city. We pray, God, for our yes, churches, for yes, our pastors. Yes. We pray for America. Yes. Lord, help us. Help us, oh God. And, Lord, we look to you. We give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Steele, thank you so much for coming and being a guest on the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. It's been such a joy, Pastor Jack. Thank you for having me. And until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.